Hey, I, I know they do it for the Lord, but can we give it up for the worship band and thank them for, uh, I mean, uh, hey, so this is everybody that drinks real coffee that comes, uh, gets up at the, uh, at the uh, early service. Well, uh, good morning and uh, greetings. There are some of us that were up in, uh, or up, yeah, it's up, right, in, uh, uh, up outside of Branson and just had a great time. And for those of you that uh thought you were safe from the retreat, guess what? You know, you're stuck with me today. And uh, But my name is John Trent. I bring you greetings from the great state of Arizona. Who's been to Arizona before? Anybody? Okay. Um, who's been there in August on purpose? Okay. There was like one person at the retreat. But uh, uh, it's already like 90 degrees in Phoenix, and so it's great to get to come here and realize the rest of the world doesn't just have one season. Um, but... Uh, uh, hey, this morning, I want to talk to you about something uh, called the Blessing Challenge, because it's going to begin right here in uh, Bentonville. And the, uh, the cool thing is, there's a, if you ever heard, who's ever heard of Focus on the Family? Anybody heard of Focus on the Family? Um, Focus on the Family uh, and our ministry, Strong Families, has teamed up, and on May 19th, the rest of the world is going to hear about this. But guess what? You can, when you hear about it on Focus or a bunch of other ministries that will be pushing it across the country, you can say, guess where that started? That started right here this morning, actually at the 8.30 service. How about that? Is that, uh, uh, is that cool or what? And what the blessing challenge is, it's an opportunity for you to change the life of a person that God has set in your life story. Now, what in the world is that? What's it all about? The best thing I can do is to give you a picture of it. And the way to do that is, and I don't think this will strain anybody out in here. If it does, feel free to be really uncomfortable, all right? Um, but here's what I need for you to do. You may not have done this in church, but trust me, this is, this is fine. This is okay to do. Uh, hey, Daryl, don't leave. I need you in a minute here. Um, but what, what, uh, what we, uh, here's what I need for you to do. At the count of three, I need you to stand up. That's everybody, people hiding in the back and over on the side and every, everybody. I need you to stand up, and you're going to have to walk around to do this, but I want you to walk over and find two people that you didn't drive here with, uh, you're not related to, um, and, uh, and get in groups of three. And, yes, I've counted. This will work perfectly. Okay? Trust me. All right? So at the count of three, stand up, walk over, get in groups of three, and, Daryl, I need my clicker. You know, so there you go. All right. So, so get, walk around, get in groups of three, groups of three, groups of three. Walk around and get in a group of three. Walk around, three people, three, not four, not five, not with your spouse, not with your spouse, not with your best friend, three people getting groups of three. All right. Who's homeless? Who needs somebody? Raise your hand. Groups of three. So, hey, who's walking around all by themselves that needs somebody? Raise your hand so that they can wave at, wave at somebody who's, who's homeless. Look over there. Uh, there's somebody right over there. Walk over. Get them in a group. And now if you see somebody walking around that's all by themselves, grab them. We can, have a, we can have one or two groups of four. That's okay. But uh, So nobody by themselves. Everybody in a group of three or four? All right. Now here's the hardest thing that you'll have to do this morning, and that is I need you to number off in your group one to three. Somebody pick one. Somebody pick two. Somebody three. If there's four, pick four. But somebody pick the number one. Somebody pick the number two. 
somebody picked the number three, all right? Now, if you went on the retreat, you know the secret to this, and that is that you never pick number three. You never pick number three. And um, there's a... Uh, there's a reason for that. I mean, the number the number ones, they love this kind of thing, okay? The number threes wouldn't even have come to church today if they'd have known they're going to have to walk over and get out of their comfort zone and talk to somebody they don't know. So here we go. Number three, here's what you're going to do. Number three is you're going to take one minute in 10 seconds, number three, to tell the other two people in your group Everything you can about yourself, where you were born, uh, how you came out of the Lord, how long you've been here at the church, what colors your hair really when you had hair. Um, you, can, you can tell them anything you want, but this is really important, okay, because we're talking about building strong relationships here. Number two and number one, you have to act interested. That's really important, all right? So here's what you're going to do. Look up here, number two and number one, you're going to be going... Wow. But you can't let them off the hook. Well, I wrestled in college. If you don't think a minute and 10 seconds is a long time, it's forever a minute and 10 seconds. So number three, all about yourself. And then the other two people be really good listeners. Ready, set, go. Number three, a minute 10, minute 10. All right, let's give a big hand at number three. Good job, number three. That is um, that is tough for the number threes. Great job. All right, now it is time for number two. Minute, ten seconds, all about yourself. Ready, set, go. Number two, all about yourself. Number two. All right, let's give a big hand to number two. Good job, number two. All right, and now, now finally, the people have been waiting to talk, the number ones. Should we give them two minutes, the number one? Five, five minutes, five, no, just one minute, 10 seconds like everybody else. Why don't you begin right now? Go, number one, right now, go. All right, let's give a big hand at number one. All right. Okay, and so now, okay, now listen up. This is really important, okay? If there are three people in your group, what you're going to do in just a second is, is you're going to shake hands or give them a hug, tell them it was great to talk to them. But if there are four people in your group or more, then, then give number four a hug because they didn't get to talk, okay? And uh, make sure that you really love on them. So ready, set, thank them for meeting them, and then go grab a chair, and we'll get started there. All right, okay. Go grab a chair, and then we'll get started here. Here we go. All right. Yeah, darn, number four just got hosed. That's terrible, but everybody, uh, all right. But they got a hug anyway. Number four got a hug, even if they didn't get to talk, so that's all right. Okay, all right. I know it's dangerous for the, uh, I know it's dangerous 
to give the number ones any time to talk. They're still talking there in the back. But uh, anyway, well, um, so now what in the world is that all about? I, I mean, my day job is, you know, I'm a, I'm a psychologist, and so everything counts in terms of relationships. Um, but what my real job is is I get to go around the country, and starting with my own family first is I get to talk to people about how do you build um, strong relationships. And so be honest this is a church, okay? Uh, how many of you, when I told you to stand up and go meet some total stranger and get in a group, how many was that a little uncomfortable? Just a little. Let me see your hands. Come on, look at all the hands. Wave them around. All right. But once you actually took the risk to reach out and to walk over and initiate uh, a relationship, how many of you actually just in one minute of listening to somebody else unpack their life story how many of you actually learned something kind of cool about somebody just in one minute? Look at all the hands. And, and what I'm getting at is, is that um, what in the world is this blessing challenge? Well, I think um, it, it begins with a tremendous need God has set inside each one of us. Now, particularly with kids. As we get older, we get better at masking it, at that need. We get better at putting layers around our heart so that we don't get hurt. We're tired of being hurt. But for children in particular, and this is, boy, let me tell you, human children, uh, so much, little kids thrive when there's connection and there's caring. And in fact, um, there's a, a syndrome called failure to thrive with infants that literally can result in, in catastrophic failure with kids um, with, if they just turn them aside. And then not only that, but later on, guess what is the, um, the treatment thing of choice that's coming out today? It's called attachment disorder with kids. And that's when they feel so disconnected that they don't know how to attach. Well, why don't they know how to t- attach? We come hardwired. God wants us to relate with him and to relate with others. But a lot of us, unfortunately, don't learn about attachment. We learn about the kind of things that I learned about. Uh, I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom and dad divorced when I was two months old. I never met my dad till I was in high school. When I did meet my dad, he was an angry alcoholic, and I used to hate my dad. Uh, and then I became a Christian, and I, and I just intensely disliked him. And uh, uh, it, it actually took me years before I was able to forgive him after I became a Christian and realized, well, no wonder he bailed on our family and the next family he was a part of and the next family he was a part of. Um, but there were three of us under two when my dad bailed out. How do you get three under two? You have to have a multiple, right? So I'm a twin, and then I have my older brother. Um, and we never, we didn't grow up in a household of faith, I'm ashamed to say. So we didn't go to church, so we never got tied in with the God of the universe, and we never got tied in with this guy named Jesus that, that the Lord sent to die for us so that, man, we, we, we couldn't miss. I mean, come back here on, on Easter, and you talk about the greatest love story of all. It's what Christ did in dying for us, amen? And the bottom line is, is that we get, because of what he's done for us, a chance, no matter what our background is, to really walk toward life. And I know what some of you are thinking. You go, oh, the past, that doesn't affect me, affect me, affect me. Um, but the bottom line is, is that you may not see the past affecting you. People who live you, with you every, see it every day. And that is, we want this 
close relationship with the Lord and with others. Well, why don't we have it, so many of us? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm, you know, I think it's time that we put a stake in the ground. I think it's time that we said, as for me and my home, we're, we're stepping up to the challenge. I don't care how broken your past, and I don't care how challenging the present is, um, Almighty God can really help us make a choice to have strong relationships. In fact, here's what the Lord tells us. He says, look, are you fed up with, you know, brokenness and you want real? Well, then guess what? You got to step back. You got to go to the ancient crossroads. I mean, Oprah's great and Dr. Phil and uh, all this kind of stuff. There's all this kind of self-help out there that's fine, okay, but man, you want healing for your soul and, and, and healing for brokenness? Well, where real life comes and real relationships come is when we go to the crossroad, the Lord says, and stand there and look. Which is the one that's really stood the test of time, the ancient past? Look for those, because when you find that, then it's a picture of God pointing to his word, and he says, look, you want to know how relationships really ought to work? Well, look at the ancient past, the one that I've set down, and walk in them. And when you do, you'll find, guess what? All of a sudden, things get better. You'll, you'll find things start getting better, and not only that, you'll find rest. And I don't know about you, but now unless you've got like two-year-olds and three-year-olds, this verse doesn't really apply because there is no rest, you know, until they're napping. Or if you have a puppy, you know what that's like? Like a happy puppy, I mean, a happy family is a, uh, um, is a sleeping puppy, you know, kind of a thing, because they just tear the whole house up and everything else. But the bottom line is, uh, really and truly, is, is that God offers us, no matter who we are and what we've got going on in our life, Rest, And when we stand at that crossroads, guess what we find? We find a choice. Almighty God says this as well in his word. He says, I call heaven and earth the witness that I have set before you a choice. And so here we go. Life and death, the blessing or the curse. So choose life. I mean, choose those ancient paths that can take you to life and to rest and all those things we want in our relationships. We all have this deep need. It is God's word that takes us to the ancient path. But when we get there, guess what? It is now there's a choice. And he can give us what we need to make this choice when we know him. But, man, it's a choice. Well, what's the choice? Well, here it is. The choice is, and we'll talk about more about this tonight if you want to come um, to, to learn about it specifically for parents. But for this morning, here we go. Life means this. The word life means to move toward someone. Okay. Now, a few minutes ago, remember when I had you stand up and go find somebody totally new, even though it was uncomfortable? Um, did you notice how much energy all of a sudden, when you started connecting with another person, how much the energy just went up in the room? I mean, some of you already are asleep. I mean, that quick, you know. And um, but but for most of us, what you need to realize is is that when you walk towards someone, how do you add life to a relationship? Well, it's the literal picture of moving towards someone, to walk towards them, okay? But there's another choice, and that is, is we can choose to step away. The word death in scripture literally means to step away. 
Now, I'm a marriage and family counselor, and this is what I see 24-7 in relationships. I see great, awesome, godly, wonderful people, and they made the choice to walk toward each other, but now because they've gotten strained out and hurt, and they perhaps don't know how to relate, or they're like me, and they didn't come from a great uh, background or whatever, and they just didn't get the skills, whatever, all the millions of reasons, all of a sudden we begin stepping away. And when we begin stepping away from another person, our relationships will start dying inside. Now, that is not true in our relationship with Almighty God. The Lord says, you know what? Even if you are faithless, he remains what? Faithful. And so God doesn't move. That's the great thing. Anytime you turn around, the Lord is right there to pick you up and carry you and move you forward. But in our human relationships, guess what? It's life or death. It's either step towards others or step away. And again, tonight we'll look at five ways you can step toward kids and giving them the blessing. Uh, And we'll talk about that in detail tonight. But what is the blessing? Well, the blessing, here's what uh, what the blessing is. And um, uh, write down here, and tell me your first name, is Rob. Uh, The Rob uh, is, uh, have you ever heard of a pilot fish? You know, a pilot fish kind of goes in front of this big uh, whale. Well, um, I was the whale. He was the pilot. They were driving, we were driving back from, uh, from uh, uh, from Branson, and do you realize you cannot get from Branson to here? I mean, there is no real road between there, you know. And so they notice that, so I see them leave the hotel, and we kind of pull in behind them, and I'm hoping they're coming to Bentonville because there's some other people that are, and, but sure enough, they, we pull over to stop, but they pull over and say, hey, you want to follow us? And I said, thank you, Lord, you know. And so we were actually able to get here. Um, but, Rob, um, uh, here's what I want you to do. What does it mean to bless someone? And hopefully Rob was like a skill player at some point in his past, opposed to a lineman um, and uh, doesn't have any hands. But just I'm going to toss you this and see if you can catch uh, this coin, right? All right, give it up to Big Rob. All right, good job. Okay, all right. Yeah, if it's a lineman, they just knock it down and fall on it, uh, usually kind of a deal. But, um, but that's what it literally means when Almighty God says, you got a choice in your relationship. Are you going to add to someone's life? Now, stay with me. That doesn't mean, oh, great, i got to go home and give, okay, honey, here's a checkbook, you know, or give money to your kids. Or your kids are going, yes, I like this message. This is great, okay? It's, uh, it, what it literally means to bless, it means to add weight or value. And, and the picture, the word picture in that Hebrew word is to add coins to a scale because in, in uh, Old Testament times, the way you could tell how valuable something was is you would uh, put it in a what? Scale. You didn't look like with us. We look at a coin and look at the denomination, right? But for them, even if there was a person's visage that was uh, imprinted on it, a king or queen or something, well, the bottom line is the way you could tell how valuable it was was you put it in a scale. And the greater the weight, the more the value. Well, tonight we'll learn about five things that parents just flat need to do with their kids to add value But I want to um, share with you three things this morning. But before we do, remember there's a church. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, this is a church. There's a choice. There's a choice. And what's that choice? Well, we can move towards or away. We can add to somebody's life or we can subtract. The word curse 
literally means in Hebrew to dam up the stream. So in other words, instead of life-giving water flowing down to the people that really need it, you've got to picture desert, desert dwellers, okay? So here's these people in this arid land, which is um, where, uh, of course, the... Um, uh, uh, Israel is is very much like Arizona. And so all of a sudden, there's only a few streams. It's not like here where you've got lakes and bass fishing every eight feet and all this water. <clears throat> well, in Arizona, we, it, there's there's almost no water. And, and, and so that's what it was, it was in, in, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in Israel. And the bottom line is, is that uh, Almighty God says, now look, when you go into the promised land, because he gives them this choice just before they walk into where they've always wanted to go. This is right before the nation of Israel goes into the promised land. And he says to them, look, get busy walking toward me and others, not stepping away. Get busy adding to people's life and don't dam up the stream. Now, do you remember when Jesus sat down with a woman at the well? Okay, remember there's this woman, she's been in five broken relationships. Now she's living with the sixth guy, and she's so broken, she has no friends. She has to come out by herself in the, in the middle of the afternoon. All the other women would come early in the morning when it wasn't so hot. So she's cut off, she's broken, she's lonely. And the God of the universe, okay, uh, sits there and says to her, Hey, um, I know all about your past, and I got an offer for you. What does he offer? Anybody remember? Living water. He says, I'm the one that can break down the dam. No matter what happened to your past, I can break down the dam, and I can bring to you what it is that you really need, that life-giving water. And she, of course, runs back to the village and says, you know, sign me up. Um, well, that's what we're trying to do all across the country on May 19th and that's starting here, is we want to challenge people to understand what a big deal it is when we step towards others and when we add to their life. So how do you do that? Well, again, tonight we'll talk about the blessing challenge for parents. We talked about it for couples uh, yesterday. I'll get it. And uh, but, uh, but, uh, but this morning I just want to share with you real quickly uh, three things that you can do in every relationship you have to walk towards others. So this is whether you're a parent or a single parent, whether you're a, a single or a grandparent, doesn't matter who you are, this will really be for anybody who's had parents. How many have had parents? How many of you had parents? Okay, if you've had parents, this will, this will relate to you, all right? So you can even do this with your parents if they're still uh, living. So here we go is uh, three things you can do to change the life of a person, and they're all right out of where? God's Word. So here's the first one. You can choose this morning to start to use your words to help the people in your home that you live with get a better picture of who they are than the one that the real world out there, quote-unquote, remember there's a God of this age, um, uh, which is Satan. You know, I mean, the bottom line is we walk in a fallen world. And you can choose to give a better picture, a godly picture to somebody because they're going to face some pictures that aren't so great in their life story. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, in uh, the Old Testament, there's a book called The Song of Songs, The Song of Solomon. And, uh, and it's all about this couple, Solomon and his bride. And listen to how she pictures herself when she starts off. She says early in their relationship, um, she says, I am dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, 
Do not stare at me, she says, because I am swarthy, for the sun has burned me. So she's so insecure when they first meet. So she's talking to her husband, and but she feels so insecure that she says, don't even look at me. Literally turn your eyes away. Well, how come? Well, listen to kind of the home she came from. Well, first of all, the sun has burned me. So instantly you know, because you're highly intelligent, that she was a... Working-class woman. How do you know that? Because royalty stayed out of the sun. So she's a working-class woman. She's fallen in love with Solomon. Who is Solomon? Everybody know he was the king. So she feels, so number one, she feels way out of her league. I mean, she's a working-class woman that's fallen in love with the king. Now she says, uh, don't stare at me. The sun has burned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me caretaker of their vineyards. I've not been able to take care of my own. Okay, so what she's saying, my mother's sons, that's not her brothers. That's another word in Hebrew for brothers. She says, my mother's sons. So she's in what kind of home? Step-parent family. So where's her dad? Either died or bailed out. And now she's being raised in a step-parent situation. But these two angry step-brothers are making her work 24-7 so that um, she's working on their vineyard. So she has no vineyard of her own to manage, meaning ladies she had no what what did you bring a long time ago if you were married you brought a anybody remember what it was called a dowry you brought a dowry well she has no dowry so she's broke she's a working class woman she's living in a home filled with anger uh, where they're making her work 24 7 and she feels like she's got nothing to offer and she's so insecure that she says don't even look at me Turn your eyes away from me. So she comes from all that brokenness, and then listen to what this same woman, just a few chapters later, says about herself. This same woman, uh, a little bit later on in the book, the Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon, says this, I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. Have you ever heard that in the Bible? I'm the Rose of Sharon. But now you know kind of the context of it. And by the way, have you also also figured out this is where Cinderella came from, was from Song of Solomon. Um, But she starts off, and she has gotten such a crummy picture of who she is. And guess what he does, men? Because he is Solomon at the time as the wisest man uh, in all the earth. Now, later on, after the Queen of Sheba visits him, he starts walking away from the Lord. And if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, he ends up his life by saying, it was all futility and vanity. I never should have left. Why in the world did I leave that ancient path? If you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes. But the bottom line is right now he's walking according to what God would want him to do. And you've got to hear this. I don't care how long you've been a believer I don't care how tied in you are right now with the Lord. When you start, any of us, me include any of us, when we start walking away from God's word, we are going to walk right off a cliff in our relationships. But right now he's walking close to the Lord, and she's really insecure. Don't even look at me. And all of a sudden he does something, man, that adds to her life um, in a dramatic way. In fact, 40 times, man, In eight chapters, he does something that gives her a better picture of who she is than the one that she's getting at home. Ladies, 24 times in eight chapters, she does the same thing. And what it is is they praise each other and praise each other. They use their words to give each other a better picture. And what do I mean by that? Well, remember, she's really insecure. So what do you do when someone's insecure is give them a good picture. 
right? Use a, use a, a picture. Because have you ever tried to praise somebody that is insecure? Um, anybody have junior high kids, you know, and you go, oh, you look great, sweetheart. That looks awesome in you. And what do they say? Well, you have to say that. You're my what? You know, mom or something. So you, when you praise somebody that doesn't feel real secure, your words can bounce right off, which is why Jesus, when people were resistant to hearing him, what would he do? He would tell them what? A parable or a story. Because pictures go over a person's defenses and can go right into their heart. So Solomon knows she is so insecure, um, and she's got all these crummy pictures. So he says to her, uh, one of the 40 times, he says to her in chapter 1, he says, To me, my darling, you're like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. So lean over to the lady nearest to you and say, Boy, you sure look like a horse this morning. Okay, now... Now, just think, if you were insecure, wouldn't that make you feel so much better? Okay, honey, you know, you're kind of, you know, when you sweat, you get that white drool stuff that comes out of, uh, uh, you know, and and, uh, you just look so great. You're just really hairy. Well, no, that's not, we don't get the picture. We think he's criticizing her. Um, But in biblical times, what he was saying was, hey, sweetheart, you know how Egypt has all these war chariots. Everybody knew the, the big red one was not the mobile infantry. here. Back there, it was Egypt. They had all these war chariots. But um, war chariots are two horses, two soldiers. You had to be way up there, a general, or in this case, the pharaoh. And that was one horse uh, with one person. And he gives her a picture of, sweetheart, you know how there's, could have, you know, the pharaoh could have chosen anyone uh, any any mayor. Well, you know what? I could have chosen any any person as the king, but I am so grateful that I chose you. So it's actually a picture of how he chose her. And then he says to her, you know what, honey? Your eyes are like doves. Okay. Now, that's a great one. Honey, you know, you're eyes are really yellow and you never blink. I just don't get it. You never blink. What's with that? You know? Um, well, no, he's not saying your eyes are like, literally, it's a picture. What did the dove represent in scripture? Don't say um, peace. It represented God's spirit. Uh, it always was a picture of God's spirit. Okay. Well, so when you bless someone, what he does is he adds your life by helping her say, sweetheart, you know what? When I look in your eyes, I am so grateful that I see in you a person that whose, whose spirit really reflects God's spirit. Now, men, the only identical way they praise each other is later on, she praises him and says the same thing. Your eyes are like doves. Um, so they, and then let me just give you one more because this is a great one to use uh, at home. And that is, he says, you know what, uh, sweetheart, your hair is like a flock of goats that has descended from Mount Gilead. All right. Now, um, try that one if you go to Cracker Barrel for lunch, all right, is just, uh, uh, or IHOP or something. When the waitress comes up and say, boy, you know, I got to tell you, you sure have goat hair today. And uh, don't do that because that could be an eye-opening experience. And and about two weeks later, your other eye will, will open, okay? Uh, but, but the bottom line is, is what he does is he praises her, and he praises her, and he praises her, and he helps her get a better picture in their home than the one that she grew up with or the one that she's living with now. Now, I can't even tell you how many times, again, as a marriage and family counselor, that when you push back and you look at where did the problems start, it's all... It is in, in a home, all they hear is what? 
criticism and then they go to work and then there's somebody at work that's hammering on them, tell them they look great and they're a super person and they're doing a great job. And I'm telling you, I see so many relationships blow up because we don't add to a person's life at home. And then somebody does outside and it just tears things apart. We need to get serious about using our words to praise others. Here's a second thing that we need to do uh, real quick. There's only three. Stay with me. Here's the second one is we need to add to people's life by recognizing that each person in our home, each person that God has given us, even if they're different than us, has unique value. Okay, uh, the blessing really pictured for somebody uh, th- that they had high value. Well, what, do, what does that mean? Well, there are some of us here. I'll just do this real quick. There are some of us here that, uh, that are what we call lions. All right, now, who are the lions that God has placed in our home? Well, they're pretty take charge, fairly assertive. If you have a lion child, they're the ones that are letting you live at home. Have you noticed that? I mean, that's because they're the boss. They take charge. So these are the people that are fun to drive with on a long vacation. Do they ever stop the car? Lions, no, because if you ever stop the car, all the people that, you know, they've been passing start passing them, and they have to get back in the car and chase them down. So these are the people, lions are the people that think that stoplights are a tool of Satan. Do you know what I'm talking about? So they'll drive up to a stoplight. Will they stop? No, they'll drive through the mini mart just to keep the car going, keep it going. So they're, they're great people. They're great leaders. Uh, you don't have to motivate them. You just have to point them because they're great people. Well, those are um, the lions. Well, then there are some of us that God has placed in our home that are what we call otters. Who are the otters? They're the people that love to what? Yak, 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 yak. Why does the average otter come to church? Is it to learn anything? No, no offense to Pastor Mike. It's because it's great teaching, but is it to learn something? No, it's because there's people there. They get, to, they get to drive with people and talk with them, and they get to walk in, and they love the greeters. And, and then, like this morning, we get to get in a group. All right. You know, the lions are going, what's the matter? Doesn't this guy have any content? Come on, let's get going, right? But the, but the otters, you know, the otters, they just love people. Otters love, they, they know thousands of people. They just don't know anybody's name. Have you noticed that? And that's why they call you bro. That's why everybody's bro. Hey, bro. You know, hey, dude. Uh, that way they don't have to know your name. But they're great people and they're great kids. These are, they, they love to start things. Start, 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 start. Do they balance the checkbook to the penny? Otters, no. They just what? They just switch banks and then figure out their, and those are the otters. Well, then there's some people that God has put in our, oops, there's a whole herd of otters that got in there somehow because they love to hang out. Um, but then there's some people uh, in our home that God has given us that have high value that are what we call golden retrievers. And they're very sensitive and they're very caring and they're very compassionate. And these are the people that buy 18 to 20 boxes of Girl Scout cookies every year because it's genetically impossible to say one small but very important word. What is it? No, really hard to say no. But they're great people and they're great kids. These are the kids that actually send themselves to time out. Have you noticed that? You know, okay, I did something wrong. I'm sending myself to time out. And, um, but they're great kids and they're great people. And, and they're, they're great to have on a team because all you can overload them like crazy. You know what I mean? Just give them another project. Well, here's another project. You just gave me one. Yeah, but this one's for the team, you know. Okay, well, I'll do it because they're such great team people. And those are the golden retrievers. And then to thank the Lord for these people. 
There's another uh, group that God has given us that are what we call beavers. Well, who are the beavers? Well, they're detailed and organized and precise. Do you know what's on the class ring at MIT? is a beaver. Do you know what's on the class ring at Caltech? It's a beaver. How come? Because beavers are like God's little architects. They're detailed and they're precise. They have sock drawers, these people at home, all right? These people have sock houses, frankly, all right? But the beavers are organized and detailed and precise, and their hangers all go the same way, and the shoes are lined up, and they have a string with a ball on it, because when you park the car, it's got to go right there, right there, back up, back up, you know. And then what Almighty God does is he puts us in a relationship with others in our home or family or school, and we've got all of these in the same family or the same home. What is that? That is wild kingdom right there, okay? But what Almighty God says is, number one, use your words to give people a better picture than the one that they're getting out there in the world. Number two is, is look for their strengths and, and, and really help them understand how valuable that is. And then one last thing, it will end right on time. Something's wrong. Um, and that is, um, is, is that you choose to add to somebody's life by by verbally blessing them. You choose to add to somebody's life by seeing great value in who God made them to be, even if they're different than you. And then you also um, choose to bless others when you say, you know what, I don't care who you are or how broken you are, I'm going to be committed to you. Now, um, I can remember one of the times, wasn't the only time, unfortunately, that we were brought home by the cops as uh, kids, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I was an absolute uh, mess in a lot of ways. And it was about three in the morning and, and we were framed. It wasn't my fault. Just kidding. Um, and uh, we ended up getting brought home. And, uh, and bottom line is, is uh, um, it's, you know, my mom was a rheumatoid arthritic. She was the world's best at giving the blessing. Come tonight and all five of those elements of the blessing we'll talk about for kids. Every one of those I got from my mom. But at the time I didn't know the Lord and, and, uh, and uh, my life is a total mess. And I remember getting brought home, 3 in the morning. That's always a little challenging, wake my mom up. And the police back then were better at telling you, they were better at scaring you than today. We would have just gone to jail. But back then, um, they were better at scaring you, and they just scared us to death and left us there, uh, my twin brother and I. I'll never forget my mom not saying a word, not saying a word. And that was even worse than if she got upset and yelled at me. And I remember after waiting for, because I'm an otter, I remember silence, like my twin brother, Jeff's a beaver, he could have waited all night, you know, but otters can only wait for silence in about, about 15 seconds, it gets really uncomfortable if no one's talking, you know what I'm talking about? And so my mom hasn't said anything for a couple of minutes, which is like forever. And then I remember um, me just blurting out, I go, well, mom, I guess this means you don't love us anymore. And I will never forget, her head snapped around, and she had these steel, very unusual, kind of gray-blue eyes, but very gray, almost gun-barrel blue and uh, gray. And, and she swings, and she says, this has nothing to do with love. I will always love you, but I am tremendously disappointed in you, you know, but I will always love you. Now, I knew two things right there. Okay, I knew this woman that had been praying for me and caring for me and giving me the blessing, even when I didn't get it, um, that she was going to be committed. For, I could get brought home at three in the morning and all and, and she's saying, I'm committed to you, even if you're broken, even if you're flawed, I'm, I'm committed to you. I also knew we were in huge trouble and going to be grounded and stuff like that. But but the bottom line was I had somebody in my life 
that chose to give me the blessing. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Pastor will give us an opportunity. Uh, you guys, if you want to, you don't have to, but it'll give you an opportunity if you want to, to, uh, uh, to take the blessing challenge. And that is to say before the Lord and, and your family, if they're here or whatever, but to say, you know what, there's somebody in my life that I want my words and I want who, uh, who they are. I want to value who they are, and I want to be committed to them. And if, we're, if you're, that's something you'd want to do, Pastor will kind of walk you through that. And again, uh, it starts here this morning. The Lord says today is the acceptable time in the day. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Well, Lord, uh, thank you for each person here, their willingness to start off by walking, taking the risk to walk over and to talk to somebody. And I realize, Lord, very often uh, it takes a risk, particularly if we've stepped back from others, it is a big risk to walk towards somebody that may even feel like a stranger. But, Lord, you don't want that. You don't want us to be broken. You don't want us to be uh, hurting. You want us to be the kinds of lights on a hill that can draw other other people to you. And so, Lord, um, we have an opportunity now this morning to do just that is to say, Lord, as for me, in my house, I'm going to add to people's life, and I'm going to move towards them. And thank you so much that this church, uh, you know, every year, year after year, brings in people like this to say, hey, this is huge. This isn't a minor deal. This is huge. So now bless us, encourage us as we have an opportunity to say, is there a person in our life, Lord, um, that we want to, put a stake in the ground and say, I'm going to bless them no matter what.